<laughs> we, we better pray and just say, Lord, would you, would you speak to us as we just sung? Would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit? May you um, help us find value in this message that we might understand better how uh, you would have us live with each other and with you in your love and, uh, and how we might be able to share that love with others that we meet. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So there's a lot of talk about fear these days. You've probably heard that. I mean, a lot of people are afraid of all kinds of things. They're afraid of vaccines, some people. Some people are afraid of government. Uh, people are afraid of all sorts of things. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of dogs. I mean, that's a terrible thing to admit, isn't it? I mean, I live in Yale Town. Everybody's got a dog. Like, it's just like if you don't like dogs or something. It's a character flaw, right? I, I, I understand that. If you love dogs, I, I, I understand. It's just, I've always had this struggle. Even when I was uh, a little boy, you know, <laughs> very little boy, I remember six years of age, uh, grade one, and I was walking home from school. I don't know what was wrong with my parents that they let a six-year-old walk home from school alone. It wasn't very far. <laughs> it was a different time. But uh, I got about half a block down toward home, and this little dog comes running out at me, just, you know, it's, it just, this dog was completely freaking out because I was, you know, invading its territory or what it understood to be its territory. And this, you know, little six-year-old was somehow threatening to this dog who, who just, I, I couldn't handle it. Like I immediately froze. I started to cry. I went back to uh, the school and got my teacher to call my parents so they could come and get me. And, uh, and you know, nothing's really changed over the years <laughs> for me. My parents were so concerned about my fear of dogs that they bought me a dog and I overcame, you know, so that I could overcome my fear of dogs. I overcame my fear of my dog, but, but not of anybody else's dog. I mean, and then years later, I got a paper. I don't know if, uh, if any of you ever had the uh, joy of delivering papers as a young person. But uh, I tell you, I had some epic run-ins with dogs during that time. There was this one German shepherd that was so fierce they kept the dog in a cage that was enclosed even on this, like a full cage. And every single morning when I'd show up at about 5.30 in the morning with the paper, this dog would just lose it, just go crazy and make so much noise. And I mean, even though it was in this cage, I was very scared. <laughs> One day I went to collect, you know, which is what we used to do before we had online payments and things like that. These are these, you know, I was like 14 years old and I had to go door to door to my customers and ask them to give me cash, which is, seems so strange these days. But uh, I went to this house and uh, the owners of the dog weren't home. So they had a friend staying in the home who was comfortable with the dog and who forgot about the dog. So when he went to get the money, the dog who was in the house came bounding out at me, knocked me off the porch and bit me in the back and sent me to the hospital. Yeah, I got a thing with dogs. But if there's one thing I'm afraid of more than dogs, now this is a really deep and dark admission. I'm serious. The one thing I, I'm afraid of more than dogs is people. I mean, people are scary. You know what I mean? I mean, not you. <laughs> you guys are great. But, but people in general. Because 
Like, people have expectations of us, right? People make judgments on us, right? They look at what we say or how we're dressed or how we present ourselves or whether or not we like dogs, and they make judgments. And that feels uncomfortable. And so we, we live in this sort of, or at least I do, live in this sense of, of fear uh, that somehow maybe these people that I'm engaging might not think well of me. Maybe they won't like me. Maybe, as if that would be the end of the world. We, we have this, this fear. I was, uh, one, one of the things I have to do in my job these days is I have to raise money, and a lot of it. I have to go to very wealthy, powerful business people and ask them to give me lots of money. <laughs> Not to me, but to my school. And uh, that's, that's a frightening thing at times, you can imagine. I, I just three weeks ago, I went to visit this very successful businessman who was worth hundreds of millions of dollars financially. And, uh, you know, I was going to introduce myself and to ask him to give us lots of money. <laughs> that was a, a frightening situation. And so somehow in the conversation, he brought that up. He says, he says, I understand that you guys, by, you know, people like me who ask for money, who raise money, he says, I understand that you guys find people like me kind of scary. And I said, well, of course. <laughs> I said, like, like, I don't have a lot of money, you know? Like, like, I'm coming to you who've achieved all these amazing things and built this big business, and you have all this power and all this money, and you could say no to me. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, that's, you're intimidating. And he looked at me, he says, well, you're intimidating to us. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, look at you. You're running this university. You've got amazing things. You can speak. You can, you, you, we're intimidated of you. And I said, so we're just all scared of each other. And he said, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I think that's really true. You know, we put our best foot forward. We, we try to look like we've got it all together. You know, I spent some time this morning with my hair and with my clothes, you know, trying to look, you know, good, but not too good because this is a casual church in some respects. You know, I, I, I can put thought into that because I want you to, to feel good about what you're seeing in me because even though you're wonderful people, there's a little bit of me that's afraid of you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's foolish. And I know better. And here's why I know better. Because I've been loved by the God of the universe who created me and gave me purpose and has a future for me, whose love is unquestioned, whose love is without condition, and whose love is powerful enough that there isn't anything you could do to me. There isn't anything anybody else could think of me that would diminish the fact that I am loved eternally. And if that is the case, then what do I have to fear from anyone of anything in this world? Because if we've been loved by God, we're free. We're free, and we can love each other. God is love.
we go to this, this text. There's just a few things I want to notice. We could, I mean, there's a lot of detail here, but let, let, let me just make some simple points. From verse eight, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. It doesn't say that God loves. Well, it does, I and mean, that's true, but it's saying something much more profound than that. It's saying that God is love. It is who he is. To love is to describe the character of God, the nature of God, the being of God. He is love. And because of that, there's all kinds of implications. Everyone who loves then, verse 7, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, there's a lot of people who, who love in the world. There's, there's, and by the way, we should probably define love for a moment here. Because what we're talking about from this, this passage, uh, it's not just this kind of Valentine's Day emotion. The, this greeting card kind of thing, you know, where this, this uh, romantic thing that we experience as this rush of emotions or this sense of feeling that we might, as, as wonderful as that is, and I'm not saying that can't be a part of love. Sometimes emotion is, is a very big part of, of what we understand to be love. But what's being described here is something so much more profound. We're, we're talking about the kind of love that would express itself to the benefit of the other person in the most profound and fundamental ways. The kind of love that would die, that would give up one's life for the other, because that's exactly what God did for us in, in Christ Jesus. Verse nine, this is how God showed his love among us. How do we know that he loved us? He sent his son, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, which is pretty incredible. You know, I mean, some of us, I remember the first time I sent my son away. Actually, I didn't really send him. He left on his own accord <laughs> to, to go to, go to uh, England for a year, you know, at uh, 17 years of age, almost eight, 17, 18 <laughs> to just, just to send him was, was you know, frightening, <laughs> right? God sent his one and only son to live among us in the world. But not just that, that, that was an act of love. That, that was an act of love so that, that, that God could be present to us in the person of his son, that we might know him in our world, in our context, that was, that was an act of love on his part. Verse 10 goes further. But this is love. Not that we love God. Of course we love God. God is love. But that he loved us. And how? How did he do it? He sent his son into the world as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he didn't just come to be among us and live this grand life among us. He came to die that we might be forgiven, that our sins, our failures, our rebellion, our fears might be atoned for, might be forgiven by his grace, by his 
death. This is what we call the gospel, the good news. And it is the definitive act of love. And I am so, I mean, sometimes I, I, I ask myself, like, why am I a Christian? Like, like why, why am I faithful? Why, why do I do this? Why have I given my life to this? It's because of this. That at the core of our faith, it, the, the, the very essential nature of our faith is love. And not just emotive love, but active love, sacrificial love, the giving of one son for another. That is the most fundamental aspect of our faith. And that's what keeps me anchored and keeps me, keeps me faithful. God is love, by which we mean God was willing to make the ultimate extreme sacrifice for my benefit, for your benefit. God is love. But the second thing is then, and it follows from the first, is that God's people love. God loves, God is love. God's people love, and that would make sense. If we belong to God, we will be like God in the sense that we will strive to achieve the same purposes and, and character and nature that, that he offered us himself. So we will love ourselves. You remember what Jesus said, right? This is how they're gonna know that you belong to me. This is how they're gonna know you're Christians, because you love them, <laughs> right? Not because you have right doctrine, not because you show up in church, not because you follow relig the religious practices, as good as those things might be. You know, we follow several practices here and uh, spiritual disciplines and religious practices. These are fine. These are good even. But that's not how they're going to know you're a Christian because you show up in church. How are they going to know that you belong to God in Christ? Because you have love for them. And that just doesn't mean a mushy emotion. It means that you will make sacrifices for them. You will give yourself for them. You will put yourself second for them. And when you see that, when you experience that, you know you've been loved and you know that that comes from God in Christ. So God is love. God's people love. And loving people don't have to be afraid. Loving people don't have to be afraid. In fact, love and fear, they're like, you know, like when you get a magnet and, and you um, turn them so uh, the opposite polarity, you know, like, like you get a magnet and it, and it attracts, it, it like, it comes together. But if you turn it, reverse the polarity, it actually repels. Love and fear can't be integrated. Love and fear are opposite to one another. If I'm afraid of you, I can't love you. And if I love you, I have no reason to fear you. That's what it's saying here in verse 18. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Hmm. So I guess what I got to do is learn how to love dogs. <laughs> it's more profound than that. Like, I mean... Fear is so much about the lack of confidence 
And confidence is so important in it also, like almost anything. I was watching Sharon play piano just now, and she's just so confident. Like I'm trying to learn, it's, it's kind of old for me to do this, but I'm trying to learn how to play piano again. I, I did some lessons when I was a kid, but I'm trying to get back into it. And I'm just watching her day, and she's like, just like, <laughs> it's beautiful and wonderful, and just so confident, right? And, and uh, lacking fear. That, that's an amazing thing. I, I went skiing yesterday with my son. Now, downhill skiing. I'm, I'm a cross-country skier, but this is downhill, a whole different thing. And this is the first time in almost 20 years, and second time in like more than 40 years. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time on what they call the bunny hill. <laughs> but, but we went, we took the chairlift after a while up to this major hill, and I'm standing on the top of it in my skis, and, and I'm just, I mean, it was terrifying trying to go down this hill because, I mean, I'm fighting th you know, elemental features of life like gravity and speed and, you know, slippery surfaces and things like that. And a lot of damage could be done here. I was, I was afraid, which meant, you know, I'm going down the hill, trying to like go back and forth so I wasn't experiencing the straight down, and, and I'm just, like, I'm so tense. I'm just, and you can't ski when you're tense. Like, like I'm, I'm looking at these, these, these little kids, you know, tiny little kids, four, five, six years old, just whoosh, like going like nothing. And I'm like, just no fear. It's confidence. Okay, why do I bring up this thing about confidence? Verse 17. Or, well, just going back a bit to 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence. Confidence where? On the day of judgment. Okay, you want to talk about a fearful place. You want to talk about a fearful thing. Imagine standing before the God of the universe who created you who knows everything about you, knows everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, everybody, I mean, like, he knows it all. And you are standing in his presence, his glorious presence, his holy perfection, his great and majestic, like, there's nothing in the way of his majesty and his power, and it is his purpose in that moment to judge you. I mean, I'm sorry, you take your, your worst fearful thing, my fear of dogs, your fear of people, our, 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 our worst Friday the 13th Halloween slasher movie fear, like, like you take anything that you think is frightening and it's nothing compared to that. To stand before the God who in his perfection intends to judge you. Accept that. The text tells us that he loves us. In that moment of judgment, by his grace, not because we earned it, not because we have a right to it, but just because he's merciful. In that moment, we can stand confident because we know he loves us. It's like when I, I went to see my parents this week for Christmas and I walked into the door and it didn't matter 
what I'd done. Didn't matter all the stupid things I'd done when I lived in their home, you know, as a, as a child. Didn't matter. I just walked in that door. There's my dad. There's my mom. And I knew that they loved me. Right? Stand before God. And it doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter where I've been. In Christ, I've been forgiven. And I know he loves me. Which means I have nothing to fear in his presence. Nothing. That's confidence. Not because I'm so awesome. Not because I've perfected the art of living. <laughs> not because I've, I've not failed in any possible way. And so that, I mean, because that's how we normally try to operate, right? And, and especially in, you know, kind of what we think of as loving relationships. We try to make ourselves so attractive, just so wonderful, so perfect that this other person would have no reason to reject us. And no, that's not it. We come with all our stuff, all of our failure, all of our weakness, all of our fear even, and we know that we're loved. And the fear goes away. And so then, because we've been loved like that, we are free. I mean really, truly free. I don't mean the kind of freedom that we ask for from the government. I don't mean, I, I just mean before God, ultimately, transcendently, perfectly, we are free. And because we're free, we can love each other. So you don't have to prove yourself to me. I'm going to love you anyway. <laughs> right? Maybe you don't love me, but I'm going to love you. Because that's the way I've been loved by God. Now I say that. I'm, I'm working on it, right? <laughs> this, is, this, this is the goal. I, I'll, I'll tell you one more story. I, um, and I may have used, told you this story before. I can't remember, but it's a good one. Back years ago, when I was just starting out as a pastor in a church up in the north of BC in Prince Rupert, and I was young, I was newly married, uh, relatively inexperienced, uh, pastoring this amazing church. And after every, uh, after the first Sunday of every month, we would have lunch together, potluck. And for me as their pastor, that was great because like I hardly would eat anything. It was just all about connecting with all the people and getting, taking that opportunity to, you know, just share moments with, with those people. And, and one Sunday, this, uh, this group of older women came to me and I could tell right away that there was an issue. Um, and I was afraid. They, they came to me and something about their demeanor, about their face, they, they had something serious they wanted to talk to me about. And it was frightening to me because I didn't really understand them. They, they were older, I was younger. They were women, I was a man. They were single, I was married. I, you know, it's hard for me to connect. And, and, and I was afraid that maybe they felt like I wasn't serving them the way they needed to be served. They didn't say that, but that's how I was feeling. What they did say is they wanted to meet with me on Friday night 
They wanted me to come to their little group, their home group on Friday night, which was a terrible thing to do to me because I had all the rest of Sunday, all day Monday, all day Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and most of Friday to just get worked up into an absolute mess. Like, like that whole week, I was just obsessing. What's wrong? What did I do? What am I going to say? I was afraid. And I drove up that, uh, that Friday night in front of their house. And just before getting out of the car, I did a smart thing. I prayed. <laughs> and I said, and, and as I prayed, the Lord brought a verse to mind. And, you know, I think that's something God does. I, I, I say that because I hadn't read that verse recently. It's not something I'd been preaching or studying or thinking about. It just kind of popped in my head. And it was verse 18. You know, perfect love drives out fear. And I recognized that if I was afraid of them, I wasn't going to be able to love them. And, and that was just going to make everything worse. But then I also realized that if I loved them, I didn't have to be afraid of them. And what's more, I was already loved by God. And, you know, if I'm loved by God, like, I'm good. You know, I could just go in there and love them. And, and so I went, and I remember his vivid memory, just before pushing the doorbell, I said, Lord, help me to love these people more than I'm afraid of them. And, and I walked into that meeting, and yeah, they were concerned. I mean, they weren't, on, they weren't angry, but they wanted more from me as their pastor. And it was fair. It was a fair request. And the thing is, I didn't go in defensive, which is what a fearful person does. I went in them with a heart to like, okay, what can I do to show them that I love them? And it was one of the most beautiful evenings I've ever had in my life. And I remember after I left the church several years later and then, you know, had been away for something like 10 years, I went back to that community and to that church for a visit. And I'll tell you, it was those women who gave me the warmest welcome. Because I learned how to love them more than I feared them. And I've been, I told you at the beginning that, you know, I was just wanting to share something that had come to be important in how I try to do life. And I'm not saying I've got this down, you know, that it's perfected in me because we're all on a journey. We're all growing in Christ. But what I know is that I've been loved by God. And that is truly all that I need. And if I've been loved by God, I really do have nothing I need to be afraid of. I don't have to be afraid of people. That's for sure. And I don't have to fear them. I'm free to love them the way I've been loved by God himself. God is love. God's people love. Those who've been loved by God, need not to fear anyone or anything. I think we get this figured out 
it'd make, uh, make this world a much more beautiful place, make the church a much more attractive place. May it be among us here at Dunbar Heights, may it be in the world as, as, uh, as we share the love that we've been given in Christ. Father, take these, these anecdotes, these uh, verses of scripture, these thoughts, these concepts, this truth, and, uh, and help us to live in the reality of, of these things, Lord. That, that the fact that we could stand before you on the day you intend to judge us and be confident to have that kind of freedom that allows us to, to be joyful and to you know, go down that mountain without concern, to, to be able to, to walk into those meetings, to engage those people who might otherwise be fearful to us, and just to, just to give them the love that we first received from you. Lord, we thank you for that love. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the grace that you gave us in your son. We thank you for the fact that despite all of the garbage we bring into your presence, that that you see us as complete and as loved in Christ. And and, and knowing that, Lord, Lord, help us to know that so profoundly that it affects the way we treat each other. That we might live by your grace and that that people might know that we belong to you not because of what we say, not because of our doctrine, not because of our practices so much, but because we're able to love them with the love that we've first received from you.